Hi everyone, and welcome to the ADSR Inspirations Podcast. My name is James Mallion. I'm your host as I introduce you to inspirational and artful souls from all over the world. I'm deeply interested in music, film, the arts, achieving goals, overcoming struggles, and big ideas. So join me as we uncover some life lessons and knowledge. We're based out of Tokyo, Japan, and we'll be speaking with people from all over the world, ranging from artists, musicians, creatives, leaders, big thinkers, and those who strive to do and be great. Thanks for listening along. Now let's get inspired. Hi, everyone. Welcome to ADSR Inspirations. And I'm really excited about this one today, being a big fan of film and Japanese film myself. Our guest today is one of the world's leading voices on Japanese film. Originally hailing from Zanesville, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, Mark Schilling first arrived in Tokyo in 1975. And has lived here ever since. He's been reviewing Japanese films for the Japan Times since 1989 and has reported on the Japanese film industry from 1990 to the present, first for Screen International and currently for Variety. His articles on Japanese films and culture have appeared in a wide range of publications, including the Asian Wall Street Journal, USA Today, interviewed the Japan Quarterly. And the Japan editions of Newsweek, Time, Vogue, and Premiere, just to name a few. Schilling also serves as an advisor to the yearly Udine Far East Film Festival in Italy. He's been on juries for film festivals around the world, interviewed countless Japanese film icons, recorded DVD commentaries for Japanese films, and famously worked as a script advisor on 2003's Hollywood blockbuster The Last Samurai. Throughout the years, Mark has both written himself, contributed to, and translated a number of books. A few of his original works are the contemporary Japanese film, the Yakuza movie book, A Guide to Japanese Gangster Films, No Borders, No Limits, Nikatsu Action Cinema, and more recently, Art, Cult, and Commerce, Japanese Cinema Since 2000. So I feel like this is only scratching the surface. Of what Mark has accomplished so far in his career. So I'm really happy to welcome to the show Mark Schilling. Thanks for taking the time, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. So um, I do want to get into talking about your latest book and talking about, you know, more the current state of Japanese cinema with you. But before that, uh, I want to dig into a little bit of your、uh, history with film、okay. and writing. So You're originally from Ohio. Growing up in the Midwest, how important was film and watching movies for you,、uh, for you and your family when you were growing up? Growing up, wow.、Uh, yeah, I mean,、uh, as a kid, I, I did watch movies.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we did have a theater. <laughs> sure. Actually, a couple of theaters, you know, so I would go to see.、Uh, Filled pretty regularly. You know, it was like、mm-hmm. one of the few entertainment options、uh, we had in a place like Elwood City, Pennsylvania, like <laughs> up in the hills, like up Appalachia, you know, it's like、oh, okay. mi- middle of nowhere. But、um, I was interested in films and,、um, you know, I carried that over, you know, when I entered the University of Michigan in、mm-hmm. uh, 1967.、Um, I really got into films. It, 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 kind of a gradual process because,、um, you know, at that time,、uh, 
you know, the new Hollywood films were starting to come out. You know, mm-hmm. The Graduate, Bonnie and Clyde, Godfather, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I saw all of them in real time. And mm-hmm. um, that really got me thinking, okay, this is um, something, you know, vital, something really important to the culture. You know, it wasn't like old Hollywood where you're kind of nostalgic for the 1930s, 1940s um, classics, you know. For me, it wasn't like that at all. It was like seeing the movies that were coming out right now and uh, kind of being carried away by that uh, to the point where, you know, I was, I was, I figured out ways to sneak into every single theater in Ann Arbor, Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have any money, you know, but I knew how to, how to get in. So, um, yeah, I was seeing, uh, you know, just check some I missed, you know, some I, for whatever reason, I, you know, passed under my radar. Um, but yeah, mainly, yeah, I, I pretty much uh, saw everything. And um, you know, I was reading people like Pauline Kale mm-hmm. in The New Yorker and, and thinking, wow, you know, like the writing about film is, um, can I say, something that is really important to uh, this whole, uh, what can I say, ca- countercultural movement you know, back in right. the uh, late 60s, early 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it became more central to the culture, in other words. Like, the music, of course, was the biggest thing, right? Um, most of my friends, and I was, like, very much a music person, but um, I became more of a film person. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. again, when I went to L.A. to live for about two years, you know, I ended up seeing, like, uh, again, everything that was coming out, and... Um, you know, spotting like all the different theaters. I was living in, uh, uh, at first, you know, like in Western LA, ended mm-hmm. up in Santa Monica, which turned out to be a, a good central location for seeing all the films, like in Westwood, uh, you know, Santa Monica. I had theaters mapped out all over the place. So uh, I was doing uh, the rounds, you know, trying to see uh, everything of interest to me. And then, mm-hmm. uh, Coming to Japan uh, was a bit of a shock because, um, you know, the system here for seeing films was different then. You know, it was like first come, first serve. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just opened the doors and people flood in and, uh, you know, no reserved seats, nothing. Just kind of throw your bag and try to get some kind of seat. <laughs> That's how I saw Jaws. You know, like, I still remember, like, Jaws is like the movie everybody had to see, even if they never saw a movie the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. it's like a scrum, like a rugby scrum trying to get <laughs> into the theater to see Jaws, right? Right, uh, right. But, um, you know, I think um, for me at that time, you know, the films coming out of Hollywood, coming out of Europe uh, mm-hmm. were more important. And then I gradually got into Japanese films as well. You know, seeing Kurosawa, seeing Ozu mm-hmm. uh, as a student. And then coming to Japan, and um, again, I didn't have the language skills at that time. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, none of these, you know, Japanese films uh, were being shown with subtitles. Yeah. Right. And, of course, there was was no DVD. There were no DVDs. Yeah. No videotapes. Nothing. So Mm -hmm. um, I would go to see some of these films, like, thinking, okay, I'll try to understand (laughs) as much as I can. And walking out thinking, ah. Did I really get that? You know, maybe not. But uh, I think the uh, 
one director who opened the key for me that way was um, Juzo Itami, mm-hmm. because his films reflected contemporary Japan. I mean, film like Tampopo or The Funeral or Taxing Woman, you know, were mm-hmm. coming out in the 80s and, uh, you know, showing in a satirical way, you know, what was actually happening in, you know, the bubble era of Japan and uh, in a language that I could understand. You know, it wasn't like right. the language of Kurosawa, <laughs> yeah. you know, way right. back when it was uh, contemporary Japanese. And mm. um, I thought, okay, this is speaking to me in a way that some of these older films didn't. So um, to tell you the truth, you know, I, I admired Kurosawa. I loved Kurosawa's films. You know, the same with Ozu and, you know, some of the other greats, but um, from, the, you know, the golden era of Japanese films. Mm-hmm. But what really got me into it was someone like Itami. You know, mm-hmm. It was, uh, okay, this is happening now. You know, I can uh, learn something <laughs> right, about right. Uh, what's going on in Japan right now by seeing mm-hmm. these films. So uh, that's what really got me into it. Sure. Um, so I, I kind of want to go back a little bit. So you mentioned um, you went to school at Michigan and then at this time, did you have any kind of exposure to uh, Japanese film or, and then, so after Michigan, you briefly yes. mentioned ho- Hollywood. So what, what's the timeline? Like you finished up in Michigan well, and then you decided to uh, go to There was a film LA? society. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Cinema Guild and uh, they would have screenings. Uh, I can't remember the exact, at least once a week, you know, they'd have new films, you know, showing for like, a quarter. <laughs> it was like nothing mm-hmm. even then. Um, so I'd see as many of those as I could because that was my film education. Mm-hmm. You know, I did take a class in, in film history. I think mm-hmm. it was the only film class they had back then. Oh, really? But um, my real education was at Cinema Guild where I could see Kurosawa, where I could see Ozu. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think the first Japanese film I saw that way was uh, Seven Samurai. Right. And uh, coming out thinking, wow, this is uh, it, it. It appealed to me the same way, like like a John Ford Western mm. would appeal to me. I didn't feel the cultural barrier, you know, like, OK, I could I didn't really know that much about Japanese films. I knew nothing about Japanese films, but I thought, um, OK, it's samurai, <laughs> something I'm totally unfamiliar with, but. You know, the way these characters are behaving and, uh, you know, the code they follow uh, was understandable to me. Okay, I really uh, responded to it. So um, that's what got me thinking, okay, well, Japan, you know, a place that was totally foreign to me, but, you know, I I was interested. And uh, at that time, I was also doing, uh, you know, Zazen, you know, going to a... uh, like a Quaker meeting house every week. <laughs> oh, okay. And sitting in sitting in uh, Zazen for a couple hours, right? I was interested mm-hmm. in Japan that way as well. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the cultural aspect uh, went beyond movies. Uh, right. So I was thinking, wow, Japan, place I want to see sometime. And then, then mm-hmm. I had a total, like, chance encounter with a recruiter from uh, Sony, you know, they had language schools in Japan at that time. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I talked to this guy in LA, uh, and he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, um, you know, we'd love to have you. <laughs> you know, we'll send you the plane ticket. You know, so uh, you know, that's how I ended up in Japan. But um, okay, you know, right." Uh, was almost like uh, serendipity, like, you know, God was telling me, you know, you have to go to Japan, right? It wasn't something I really planned that much, but, uh, you know, here I am. Sure, right. All these so, years later, right? Yeah. <laughs> so was the initial move to L.A. Um, with the purpose of getting involved with film in some way, or um, what, what prompted mm, that? Actually, not really. I, I went there, um, I had a... a teaching certificate. You know, I, mm-hmm. I studied um, elementary education at the University of Michigan for one year. And mm-hmm. uh, this was in the midst of a recession. And I sent yeah. out my applications all over the place, like no answers. So um, I had a friend in LA at that time. And he said, yeah, why don't you come out here? You know, we can hang out, you know, mm-hmm. kind of casually. And I, I said, okay, you know, well, I loaded up my car and I drove all the way and um, I swear to God, I pull in the parking lot of the student co-op building in Westwood. And um, I saw the guy walking by with his girlfriend. And I, I said, hey, Rocky, how are you doing? He says, oh, uh, I'm moving in with, with Myra today. <laughs> I don't have my place anymore. What am I going to do, right? So I ended up sleeping on the roof of the co-op building for like three months. I, I didn't, I was homeless, you know, for three Jeez. months. Right. And, uh, after that, I found a place, um, near Pico and Fairfax in that neighborhood. Uh, and then, you know, started my, my job search <laughs> mm-hmm. and I did apply. I, I actually went in and interviewed with one of the studios. Okay. You know, they, they were looking for assistant directors and, mm-hmm. uh, I got the I talked to the guy. I got the application. Came back. I looked at it, and they had all. What, what what's your experience in in film? And my experience in film was zero. You know, I yeah. I, I learned how to use video recording equipment as a student teacher, right? Which was kind of unusual. Mm. It, I had to take a class for like a week to learn how to use this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so I said, okay, I have that experience, right? Uh, but. I said that, please. <laughs> I need something. I did. I would have to just totally lie on the application. <laughs> right. I kind of gave up on that. But um, yeah, I did, uh, like I said, see a lot of films you know, while I was there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's LA, right? It's, uh, there were theaters everywhere. So, uh, right. Yeah, using my spare time and my spare cash, which I didn't have that much of to, uh, to see movies. Right, right. And then, as you mentioned, the uh, kind of serendipitous encounter by the Sony rep. Um, So was that decision fairly easy? You were just like, okay, sign me up, bring me over to uh, Japan? Or did that kind of take a bit of... um, It didn't take take too much time (laughs) at all. I was, uh, uh, can I say, thinking, yeah, I'm still young. I, I don't have any responsibilities. I want to mm-hmm. see the world. Mm. Why not? You know, I, I was ready to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I actually applied for a uh, teaching job in, uh, where the heck was it? Columbia. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I could have gone to Columbia, right? But um, again, I had these reasons uh, to be interested in Japan. 
you know, beyond just the free plane ticket, you know, mm -hmm. the interest in, uh, you know, Zen Buddhism, the interest in Japanese films. So uh, I said, okay, I have the chance. Let's go. No problem. Right. I was right, right. afraid to jump on the airplane. <laughs> right. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye to America. Right. But and then, again, in the beginning, I thought, okay, it's a one-year contract. Right. If I don't like it, you know, they'll send me back. But uh, mm -hmm. I kept uh, reapplying, re-upping. Oh, you know? okay. Okay, they allowed you to. They allowed you to yeah. keep. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And yeah. then you mentioned, um, you know, when you came here, you started watching movies. Sure. Um, was that uh, that was that was a big part of your life at first here in Japan as well, going to the movies? I uh, it was, yeah. I mean, uh, I never thought of it as anything I could do as a job. You know, it was like mm -hmm. totally like beyond the clouds. You know, like people doing that kind of work were not in my world. Mm -hmm. um, but then I I started to realize, okay, you know, the people writing for the local media at that time was newspapers. That was about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of them, you know, I like their work, you know, Donald Ritchie, mm. uh, very famous film critic and scholar, uh, was one of my heroes, you know, from, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought, okay, he's, he's in Japan <laughs> like I am, you know, and, yeah, you know, doing this kind of work. So, uh, at least somebody's doing it that I kind of familiar with. Yeah. And, uh, it became more, you know, I started to think it might be doable. And then I had a chance to write for the um, uh, Japan Times Weekly, which was a, a sister mm -hmm. publication of the Japan Times newspaper. Uh, right. Yeah, the editor uh, you know, had me doing like uh, feature stories on this, that, and the other thing. You know, homeless people, mental hospitals. <laughs> I did some pretty serious uh, reporting, you know, for, mm. for that uh publication right and then she put out a call she says i want to do more arts reporting or more arts coverage does anybody out there uh can anybody you know see subtitled films and uh review them and i said yeah i can do that you know <laughs> well, no, my japanese by that time was uh, good enough i'd been in the country for about 10 years you know studying japanese uh, for about five years Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, okay, yeah, I can go see these, you know, like Asian films or South American films or European films with Japanese subtitles and, uh, you know, review them. So in the beginning, mm -hmm. I, I didn't review Japanese films, you know, just, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, and then I had a chance uh, through a friend and uh, another mentor, a guy named Andy Adams, who had a, uh, a magazine devoted to sumo, you know, Japanese sumo wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I was one of his reporters. So um, he was also reviewing films. And he, we met one day for lunch. He says, I'm giving it up. You know, mm -hmm. I don't like the new editor. You know, like we had a, we had an argument. I'm out of here. I mm -hmm. said, oh, that's too bad. He said, you should go and apply for that job. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, okay. He said, do it today. <laughs> so I, we, I said goodbye to him. I went right to the Japan Times office to the right. editor, this woman I knew from, you know, the weekly. And uh, he said, mm -hmm. okay, I'll give you a tryout, you know, and uh, that's how it started. But mm -hmm. uh, I already have some clips, you know, some of my reviews from uh, the weekly and uh, yeah. well, she knew my work. And uh, 
mm-hmm. that made it somewhat easier, right? But in the beginning, it was like, you know, I, I really did not know that much. <laughs> right, right. I had to fake it until I could make it, you know. But um, exactly, yeah. I was seeing I was seeing a lot of films at that time, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I at least had that basis, yeah. But, right. Um, so, I guess did you have a background of being interested in writing and you mentioned, um, you mentioned Pauline Kael and um, I've heard you say Roger Ebert before, of course, Donald Ritchie. Were you, were you, um, did you keep up with reading uh, critical reviews and were you kind of into the um, film theory and things like this? Yeah. Again, when I started, um, I I thought I I need some kind of role model. (laughs) No, I have to learn or figure out how to do this, you know, sure. properly. And Pauline Kael was my idol as a writer, but I thought if I try to imitate her, I'll just sound ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there were people doing that. You know, they're called Paulettes, right? Mm. You know, people out there, not in Japan, but, you know, in the States, you know, who wrote in the style or the, you know, with the, uh, attitude of Paul and Kale, right? And, uh, but for me, I thought, I can't do that. Just not going to work for me, right? But there was another critic at that time, Roger Ebert, mm-hmm. who was uh, writing for a newspaper in Chicago, but more importantly, he had, he had a TV show mm-hmm. that he was doing with um, Gene Siskel, okay? Right, right. And I, I was able to see that, and uh, I was able to get his, his collection of reviews, and I thought, this is closer to what I'm trying to do. Mm. You know, he's writing for a newspaper. You know, he's not writing for cinephiles. He's writing for, like, people who like films. Right. Uh, and he has to do it in a fairly sh- short space. <laughs> he had about 550 words. And he was very accessible, but also very knowledgeable. You know, the guy knew a lot about films. Yeah. But somehow, he didn't come up. Or he, he wasn't looking down from a cloud at the ordinary, <laughs> right? You know, it was more accessible. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that's the guy I should be, uh, you know, learning from. So I, I bought one of his um, collections, you know, a book like this. You know, mm-hmm. I read every single review, every single interview, mm. and you know, other critics as well, right? I, I have like a small library of um, you know books by film critics, right? But I think. You know, for me, Roger Ebert was, you know, the guy I thought I could model myself on. So um, mm-hmm. that's what I tried to do in the beginning, right? I right. had more space than he did. I had <laughs> I had about a thousand words. It was too mm-hmm. much. <laughs> right, right. And uh, you know, now I have about 550. So I'm down to where, you know, Roger Ebert was <laughs> right, way back right. when, right? But um, anyway. So I guess um, when you were when you were kind of watching movies on your own um, before before you got the gig um, doing it, would you kind of think about them um, in more in a critical way? Like, were you taking notes about things you were watching, or it wasn't really uh, until no. uh, until you started um, doing the newspaper work when you took it more seriously? It's a good question. Uh, actually, I didn't have a film journal you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing right what i did do this goes back way back when i was like a, a junior high school 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved away from this town where I'd grown up, you know, a town called Barberton, Ohio. So I had friends there, you know, two good friends. And uh, especially one, you know, I was corresponding with him for years and, mm-hmm. you know, talking about movies. You know, I saw this movie and I thought it was great, blah, 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 you know. So I'm like, uh, you know, 13, 14 years old, like writing these kind of <laughs> mini uh, film critiques, you know, right. for this friend of mine in Florida. You know, he moved down to Florida. I was up in Pennsylvania, but, uh, you know, we were corresponding, you know, for a mm-hmm. long time. So um, that really formed me as a writer because I had mm-hmm. to, uh, what can I say, you know, was turning out these long letters. <laughs> I still right. have his letters, not mine, you know, mm. page after page after page of what was happening to me, you know, and what I was seeing, what I was listening to, all this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's what really got me into writing. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, like I said, I took a, a course in film uh, at the University of Michigan. Uh, part mm-hmm. of that was writing, you know, critical essays about film. So, uh, yeah, I wrote uh, my first you know, like full dress review of Bonnie. No, it's um, not Bonnie and Clyde. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. So, you know, I I, I, I had been writing about films, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, my main subject for a long time was, was sumo wrestling. You know, I was mm-hmm. writing, uh, again, for the sumo magazine, like interviewing mm-hmm. the wrestlers and, analyzing the bouts and all this stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. that was my writing you mm-hmm. know, practice, you know, for about 10 years. So but, um, it, I was it doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Writing mm-hmm. about a lot of different things. Yeah. Right. Right. Bit of a Jack of all trades until Jack of you, all uh, trade, yeah. until you got the chance to uh, focus more on film alone. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what happened. But um, it was kind of my dream job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God, you know, they're giving me a chance to do this. So, um, yeah, I, I really kind of threw myself into it once I had it, you know, that was, um, yeah. Right. Um, you mentioned, you know, you've got a small library of, you know, film books and, um, famous, oh, yeah. famous <laughs> critics and, um, you know, all that. Do you still kind of keep up with reading, um, you know, your peers, critiques of Japanese films or, um, are there certain, did you start to read, um, you know, Japanese language reviews of, uh, films or what, uh, do you, yeah. What do you currently do and what what have you done over the years? Uh, I'm a little bit, I'm wary of reading a review of a film I'm going to review. Sure. Yeah. Like somebody may have a review out there you know, the film premieres at Cannes, whatever, and mm-hmm. I can't write about it for months, you know, for the Japan Times. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, these people already have their reviews out. I try not to look at them. Yeah. Because once I start to read somebody else's review, I'm not going to plagiarize, but maybe some of the ideas filter into my head. And, oh, he's got a good point there. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that good. I have I should come up with everything myself. So uh, Mm -hmm. I stay away from that. But um, afterwards, you know, after the fact, my reviews already written, 
you know, then, okay, yeah, I'll go out and see what other people have, have written about it. Like on mm-hmm. um, Rotten Tomatoes, you mm-hmm. know, something like that, right? Just to see, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, read somebody, you think, oh my God, they, they really nailed this <laughs> better than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had that experience too, right? Where, um, yeah, it is instructive, you know, because uh, you start to see like, you know, you live abroad for a long period of time, especially a place like Japan where most people don't speak English, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your vocabulary starts to narrow. Like, you don't get right. the new influences as much, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it's important, you know, to go out there and, and read as much as I can, you know, in English yeah. uh, about film because, um, you know, I'm writing in English, mainly. So uh, that's, if my vocabulary starts to sound like, you know, the 1970s, <laughs> still right. using the old slang that I used when I was in college, oh, forget it, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I have to, um, you know, keep the pot stirring that way, right? But I am reading a lot in Japanese because sure. uh, when I, again, like I'm also a film reporter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reporting on the industry. So that information is coming in Japanese, almost all of it, you know, because, yeah. you know, the local reporters, the local critics are getting the uh, the information first. And then, you know, people writing in English and other languages are kind of following in their footsteps very often, right? Yeah. And often, you know, I'll see something in English, and okay, but there are holes, like, this person doesn't obviously, obviously doesn't know everything. They're mm. kind of picking stuff up off Google. Who knows what? Yeah. <laughs> then you go to a Japanese source. You, you think, Oh my God, there's, you know, there's so much more detail, you know, I mean, Japanese film people or film buffs, you know, can be incredibly knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I, again, I wrote a book about, um, he action. You know, this mm-hmm. genre that uh, came up in the 1950s uh, was very influential, you know, it was very popular, you know, for about a decade or so until, you know, the whole Japanese industry went south <laughs> in the mid 60s, late 60s. Right. But for a long time, like they, they had a lot of really popular films and that whole genre was like almost totally ignored in the West almost mm. totally ignored. The, the only director that got any kind of attention uh, was uh, Seijun Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he became this cult director uh, in the West, right? His colleagues at the uh, Nikatsu studio, nothing, hardly anything. Mm. So I like, wow, I discovered this like gold mine, <laughs> gold mine, like, you know, all these wonderful films, like nobody in the West knew about. Uh, right. But to really understand the background, you know, how they came to be made, who the uh, filmmakers were, et cetera, et cetera, I had to go to Japanese sources. Like in sure. English, almost yeah. nothing, mm. nothing. So um, that's one project where without the help of like, you know, Japanese film researchers, all that, nothing gets started, you know, because right. yeah, the information wasn't out there at that time. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's actually, um, that's a, that's a quote that I read from you in a previous interview. Um, you, you were saying something 
along the lines of um, you wanting to be like a discoverer of the new and not a curator of the old and then <laughs> kind of uh, comparing. Maybe it was from films in the 90s um, or maybe late 80s to like being in California in 1848, right? Like gold was there for the taking, yeah. if not always easy to find. Um, exactly, yeah. Can you can you kind of comment on that statement, and then maybe do you think uh, do you think things have changed over the years? You know, more with the availability of say like DVDs, Blu-rays, or like the streaming and digital stuff these days. It's it's totally different now. It's totally different because when I started again back in the early nineties, uh, that's when the uh, you know the, the videotape revolution was beginning. You know, they're mm-hmm. making these straight-to-video films. Uh, you know, Mike Taka, Takashi Mike and, you know, some of the others were, uh, you know, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Uh, that's how they got started. You know, making films that would never, or maybe see the inside of a theater for a week. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they were mainly for the uh, straight-to-video market, right? And um, at that time, like, none of these were being subtitled. You know, hardly any of them were, were getting abroad in any form, like, you know, the film festivals, you know, like Cannes and <laughs> Venice and Berlin, you know, we're not seeking these films out. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, okay, this is another, this is something else I can explore, you know, like uh, some of these new currents. Uh, I wrote an article uh, for the Japan Times Quarterly back in 1994, mm-hmm. you know, new currents in Japanese film. Mm-hmm. You know, about some of these uh, new directors coming up, you know, again, not just the ones making straight to video films, but indie directors, you know, whose films might play in like one or two theaters in Tokyo f- for a couple of weeks, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of their work was not, you know, really getting out to the world, you know, so, uh, you know, people who knew about Japanese films you know, writing in English at that time were, were mainly down. <laughs> they were very much down on Japanese films. Like, like, oh my God, there's so much crap being made here. Right. You know, the golden age was a long time ago. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the survivors are, you know, not in their prime anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And I had to agree with a lot of it, really. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah, Kurosawa was making better films back in the 50s and 60s, you know. Okay, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, Godzilla... It's kind of fun, but is a great cinema. No, <laughs> you're right. But I thought they were ignoring or maybe not covering uh, so actively, you know, some of these new directors coming up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's maybe where I can make a contribution. Because I, okay, I'll go see some of these films like in the middle of Kabukicho, <laughs> the kind of the red light district of, uh, of Tokyo, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they had, you know, theaters you know, showing some of these uh, like straight to video films or whatever. Right. So um, that's what really made me think maybe I should just concentrate on Japanese films. Because mm. in the beginning, I was doing everything. Mm-hmm. I reviewed Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. I'm going out to see all these holidays because we didn't have we had one other reviewer for the mm-hmm. Japan Times. Uh, who didn't speak Japanese. So mm-hmm. uh, I got the like the subtitled films and the Japanese films by default, you know. But 
we were also reviewing, you know, some of the Hollywood films as well. So it was, you know, but around, let's see, 92, 93, somewhere around that, mm-hmm. we got another reviewer. It was three of us. And I thought, okay, I can let the other guys do the, uh, you know, non-Japanese films and I'll just stick with the Japanese films. Right. Because I thought it was more interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely more interesting like okay jurassic park who's going to read my review of jurassic park <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah like a japanese director you know someone like uh again uh okay kurosawa kiyoshi kurosawa uh making horror films back then like nobody knew who this guy was mm. and uh I went in, reviewed one of his films, something called Door 2. <laughs> I thought, my God, this guy's scary. You know, he knows how to be scary in a way I hadn't seen before. And then he made another film called Cure, came out in 1997, that I picked up on. And then a lot of people picked up on because it went out to festivals, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know... In a way, it's a little bit late to the game on him because he he had been making all these straight-to-video films like comedies, (laughs) gang comedies, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like in the early uh, 90s, right? But, um, Mm. yeah, I mean, I was kind of out there on my own. You know, like I had to follow my instincts, you know, more than uh, the lead of anyone else because there's nobody else doing this kind of thing really, right? Right, Uh, right. Yeah, there were other reviewers out there, but... um, Anyway, so, I would go out with uh, like Donald Ritchie, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, who was again my mentor and inspiration, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'd see Japanese films together. But uh, his tastes were more, you know, I want to say conservative, but uh, he didn't like a lot of the new directors, right? <laughs> oh, okay, right. So, yeah, but you know, we kind of go out and discuss, and uh, right. But uh, having somebody like that, okay, well, it gave me, I'm not quite alone. Like there's somebody else out there who's really knowledgeable and and interested. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'd see a lot of films together. You know, that kind of thing, right? But as a writer, you know, someone, you know, writing about these films in Tokyo, that there weren't too many other people doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was... Uh... What publications was Donald Ritchie writing for at the time then? Uh, at the was time, it... he was writing for the International Herald Tribune, okay, which no longer exists. <laughs> and he was writing, trying to remember, it wasn't every week. It was like maybe mm-hmm. twice a month or something. You know, he'd mm. file a uh, review for them. But, oh, okay. Um, but he was he was seeing he a lot of the same films. About that, Japanese uh, films. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you would often go to the cinema at the time or you would watch stuff on video or a bit of both oh no no it was all going to the uh, screenings yeah uh, sometimes in the theater sometimes in the uh, screening rooms mm-hmm. so uh we went to see um afterlife by uh mm-hmm. Cordieta. you know hirokazu Cordieta, right it was like the first film i had seen by him right and he was he was there we went to the uh, screening room in um uh Kotanda, and uh mm-hmm. You know, there's Cordiator, right? <laughs> Down with Donald Ritchie. And he says, how did you like the film? And we, we both loved it. This is like Afterlife, like 1998, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Donald Ritchie said, it, it's a wonderful film. 
you know, but in Japanese, the title is, is Wonderful Life. <laughs> mm. Wonderful Life. You better change that. Because <laughs> <laughs> in English, you know, people are going to get confused, right? And Cordelia says, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I understand. So they became friends, you know, from mm. that meeting, right? Very close mm -hmm. friends. So, uh, mm. yeah, Cordelia was that one young director that uh, Donald really admired. So, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, that kind of thing, where um, you know, you're finding some of these people at the very beginning of their careers, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was exciting for me. Right. Do you, do you think there's still an opportunity these days to kind of uncover, you know, that gold or still kind of, um, I know a lot has changed, obviously, um, yeah, you know, a lot of change, streaming yeah. and digital and all that. Do you, but do you still yeah. kind of think there's opportunities out there? I, I, I do, because um, for one thing, uh, it's a lot easier now to make films <laughs> than it was back in the uh, 90s for uh, like independent directors. You know, back then, you know, they could make films on like eight millimeter, you know, even 16 millimeter. But to get them shown theatrically wasn't that easy. Right. So, um, mm. you know, you have venues like the Pia Film Festival, you know, that would show films by younger directors. You know, so they were getting discovered that way. But uh, the way it is now, I mean, anybody can make a film. <laughs> right. You know, uh, there are more film schools, you know, developing these younger talents, right? So, uh, of course, you still have Pia. You know, they're still you know, running their film festival. But there are also these other, like, uh, smaller film festivals. You know, like the Osaka... Um, Asian Film Festival in Osaka, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's another one in Tama. Uh, there's, you know, they're all over the country. And mm -hmm. they're, uh, in again, another venue for these younger directors. So I'm um, getting, uh, again, information from various sources. Okay. You know, they'll send me the screeners, you know. Mm. And, uh, yeah, by now... You know, they anybody can contact me, <laughs> like through Facebook or whatever, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I'm getting people coming out of the blue, you know, saying, "See my film." You know, it's going to be released in, you know, Tokyo, blah blah blah. You know, okay. So yeah, right. I don't have to dig as much. <laughs> mm. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, there's more information out there, but um, yeah, in that way it's easier, but in another way it's harder because there are so many. Right. Young directors now, many, many, right. many, every right. year they're coming up, right? And there's guess, a lot of competition, mm -hmm. you know, to get noticed. So, uh, you know, I can't really do as much as I'd like to, you know, the Japan Times, you know, I try to introduce uh, work by young directors, but um, okay, a film by somebody really well known comes out. That I feel okay for the, for the readers, I have I have to review it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, younger director, unknown director, maybe I'll have a harder time, you know, getting, you know, the hits. <laughs> yeah, getting people right. to pay attention to it on Facebook or whatever, right? So it's a dilemma, like uh, between you know what I'd like to do in terms of promoting young directors and you know what I have to do is a. Uh, uh, film critic for a newspaper right so um mm -hmm. yeah but uh, 
I think, you know, it's much better. At least you have the opportunity now you know, mm-hmm. to, to get your film made and maybe show it in a small theater uh, somewhere, you know, usually in Tokyo, but also mm-hmm. around the country. You know, there are you know, a lot of places now where, uh, yeah, young directors can get their film shown. Right, right. I guess yeah. part of it, part of it is like you say, um, you know, along with music and other art forms, it's a bit of an information overload, right? Overload, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, there's so much out there. And, you know, for yourself, you're just one man, right? You only yeah. have so many hours in a day. Exactly, yeah. But um, yeah, I try to see, you know, I will, you know, sit down and, and at this time of year, I'm putting films, or not putting together a program for the Udine Far East Film Festival in Italy, right? Mm-hmm. This is our crunch time. <laughs> I shouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> Thank if you. you watch your movies, right? <laughs> but yeah, we have uh, films coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching maybe, you know, two, three, four a day. Mm. And right. um, sometimes I know like after 30 minutes, you know, it's not going to work for us. Mm. You know? Yeah. Just the way it is. So uh have to be selective, but yeah, I'm trying to see because you know, if I miss something, and it does happen, right? Uh, I feel bad about it. Like you know, yeah, yeah. You feel like, how can I ever keep up? But I have to try to keep up. You know? right, right. So with that film festival, um, the Far East Film Festival, are you basically the main curator, or you work you work with a team? What's what's a bit of your history uh, um, with, with that festival? Yeah, it is a team, and. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the Japan advisor. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, director, Sabrina Baricetti. Uh, you know, some other people advising her in Italy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll suggest films. Like I, I have a short list of films mm-hmm. that I ask them to watch. Because again, they're, they're getting so many submissions. You know, like yeah. how can one person, they're, they're doing, you know, Japan, Korea, China, yeah. Uh, all the countries of Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. Taiwan, Hong Kong, you know, like mm-hmm. we're getting hundreds of films yeah. you know, for our selection. Right. And the, the final selection is about 70. Mm-hmm. So uh, Japan, maybe 10 or 12 or 13 at the maximum. Right. And then maybe like, uh, like a classic film, something like that you know, mm-hmm. documentaries, it's a separate category, but yeah, f- for me, it's, it ends up being about, you know, 10, 12, 13 films every year. Right. Out of right. <laughs> many more than that. Yeah. Uh, so it's difficult. Yeah. How long, um, how long have you been working with the festival since the beginning or how did, how did that kind of, almost uh, since the about? second edition in, in 2000. Okay. So it's right. been 20, 22 years now, yeah? Or 20, right. no, 20. This is the 24th edition. Mm-hmm. I started with the second edition, right? Okay. And so it's been, it's been a while now. Yeah? They just contacted you or did you know about it? How, how did that first? Uh... Uh, they contacted me Yeah. at the beginning, right? I don't know how they got my name, but um, they said, oh, in our first edition, we just had Hong Kong films. Mm-hmm. From the second edition, we'd like to, you know, find films from elsewhere in Asia, right? You know, China, Japan, Korea, 
Taiwan, and uh, can you help us uh, with the Japan selection? I said, yeah, okay, I'll send you, you know, like, I sent them like a list of films I thought would be interesting. And uh, they ended up screening about, I can't remember the exact number now. Wasn't that many, like three or four. Mm. And um, he said, okay, would you like to come to Italy? <laughs> I said, oh yeah. You know, so uh, <laughs> I thought, wow, what an easy job. <laughs> and then, you know, very quickly, it, you know, the workload ramped up because they became mm. more serious about, you know, screening films from Japan and also, um, you know, classic, you know, older films from Japan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I was putting together programs of um, you know, films like Nikata Action or um, like Shin Toho or SF films, you know, not every year, but, uh, you know, once in a while, you know, putting together these longer programs mm-hmm. and then writing a book to go with it. So, uh, yeah, there are several of those sitting on the shelf back then right okay so yeah. um that's something that that's something that you've wanted to keep up and you've um always looked forward to every year then since uh since you first got involved yeah oh yeah but uh yeah, it's become more difficult because uh again there there are many ways of seeing these films now yeah so we're competing with netflix we're competing right. with amazon prime Mm-hmm. You know, some of the films we're interested in end up being shown on a streaming service. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we're not going to show them in a, in a big theater when everybody yeah. can see them on uh, on Netflix, right? Yeah. In a way, it's too bad, but that's, uh, yeah, the direction things are going now. So um, just have For to sure. live with it. Yeah, I know even, you know, the past couple of years, a lot of the major festivals or minor festivals um, had to do yeah. on online only, right? Online. This year, though, we're going to uh, uh, have a hybrid program okay. right? with okay. some films online, but we're going back to the big theater. You know, we have an yeah. opera house that we use, seats about 1,200 people. Nice. So, uh, yeah, after three years, yeah, we're, we're going back to that. Okay. So, so I, I hope to be there. Okay. Yeah. You'll be over in Italy for the fest then. I hope. Huh? <laughs> I hope so. Right. Mm. Okay. That's exciting then. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm a little bit curious. Um, you've always, you know, since let's say the late eighties, you know, you've been, you've been the observer commenting, writing, you know, a, a lot of stuff um, on film I know you had the chance in 2003 with uh, Last Samurai to right. kind of more get involved in the production. Um, have you ever wanted to get involved in the production side of more films? Have opportunities come up or have you always just been content to kind of be um, commenting and critiquing kind of um, that side of it? Right. I, I, I have had films that I produced. Mm-hmm. Um in fact, one, I'm not, I can't say everything about it yet, but um, okay, I wrote the uh, the story for it and spent about seven years trying to get it made. Oh, really? And uh, last year, you know, last year, starting in December, yeah, we filmed out around uh, Mount Fuji and then uh, in Yamanashi Prefecture near the uh, Japan Alps and then back in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So that wrapped after about two weeks they're in post-production now and uh the film will be 
screened at Udine. Oh wow! Okay. This year, and uh, again, that that's what I have my name on as the uh, like the story writer, the original story writer, and the uh, producer. So uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah, long story. We could spend another hour <laughs> right <laughs> talking right. about how that came to be made. Right. Right. But, okay. Uh, that's exciting then. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Have so, you? Uh, mm-hmm. Have you kind, have kind you, of a secret, you know? For okay, <laughs> I can't say uh, I can't say right. everything about the cast and sure, the director sure. and all that stuff yet. But um, okay, okay. Hmm. Have you have you always kind of uh, been working on scripts and had ideas um, for films and stuff too? Uh, or? Yes, I did. Uh, hmm. This goes back about ten years, but um, yeah, I had an idea for a film about uh, Charlie Chaplin, who came to Japan back in the uh, early '30s with his secretary, a guy named Kono, uh, Toriichi Kono, you know, they, they were together for like 17 years and, uh, mm-hmm. Kono became Chaplin's right hand man. So, um, while they were in Japan, Chaplin was nearly assassinated by these, uh, rightist, uh, military men. You know, it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they ended up killing the prime minister, Inukai. And Chaplin was going to visit Inukai, uh, but he pushed back his schedule by a day. <laughs> and, you know, they invaded the uh, prime minister's residence and, you know, shot Inukai. And they were thinking of getting Chaplin as well, but he escaped. So how did that happen? Uh, you know, there have been books written on it, you know, that sort of thing. But I thought, this sounds like a movie. So I spent... Mm. Uh, this is another kind of long story, but I found mm-hmm. a uh, producer. We got some interest from, uh, you know, the Japanese companies, but uh, that would have been a very, it would have been a big budget project. Mm. We were thinking of like 20 million. Oh, wow. Get this made, which in Japan is like maybe twice <laughs> what they usually spend on what they consider a big budget film. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, my producer was not big enough and I was not big enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we just like, we were, we bit off more than we could chew. Right. But um, mm-hmm. after that, I thought if I do this again, it's going to be a small, you know, smaller scale mm-hmm. and something we can do without spending a lot of money. Cause right. that, that's how it can get made in Japan. You know, mm-hmm. the big budget films, very difficult. So sure. Yeah. Sure. Live and learn. But, I still think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it does sound. But, yeah, it, it does sound yeah. like a, a cool idea. Yeah. So yeah, I've had some of these ideas before, but right. Okay. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to, I guess, uh, in twenty twenty two. Yep. I'll be. We'll be watching out for that one. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I, I want to shift a little bit to some of your experiences uh, as an interviewer, as well, you know, as an interviewee. I guess throughout your, you know, 30 year plus career, you've interviewed yeah. hundreds of people as well as yeah. being in- interviewed yourself a good many of times. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, you've gotten used to it and aren't really too starstruck anymore. But mm. can you recall, you know, moments in the past? Maybe where like you felt like you had to pinch yourself, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't believe you were having a conversation with so-and-so <laughs> or so, some, uh, something, something like that. Uh, yeah. Way back when, 
this goes back to 1991. Uh, I interviewed Kurosawa, Akira mm-hmm. Kurosawa, okay, mm-hmm. for a film that he had just made, uh, Rhapsody in August, with uh, Richard Gere. So uh, for that, uh, I went to his house in the oh, Seijo wow. Gakuen, mm-hmm. and the uh, PR guy was with me, you know, and he said, uh, you know, Kurosawa had this bad experience with the uh, foreign press. You know, they uh, had a you know, press conference for this film and, you know, some American reporter jumped up and says, well, this film's about the uh, atomic bombing of Nagasaki. But what about Pearl Harbor? <laughs> and Kurosawa, like, just got angry and stormed out, you know, like, so the PR guy was saying, you better not talk about that. <laughs> you might get upset, you know. But then we, we walk in his house and, uh, you know, he had this room on upstairs, kind of a second floor study where he mm-hmm. had these media interviews, right? So we're sitting down and one of his conditions was like, I had to have an interpreter. So, okay, we have this woman. I don't know how, maybe the PR guy got her. But I was asking my question in Japanese. I was kind of trying to ignore her. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I wanted to use my time as much as I could. Right. And I'm looking at him and thinking, he's still upset. <laughs> you know, this is obviously on his mind. Okay. I said, I have to, like, it's the elephant in the room. And mm-hmm. I have to acknowledge it. So that was the first question. I said, could have that? I heard about this press conference and, you know, what happened? And, he said, oh, they didn't understand what I was trying to do, you know, and he just went on for like 15 minutes. That mm. <laughs> broke the ice. So uh, sure. we had this long discussion. It was like an hour and a half, two hours, right? Mm. His daughter was there, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, costume designer, uh, Kazuko uh, Kurosawa, right? kind of like uh, serving as the referee, you might say. <laughs> And after about an hour and a half or so, she starts pointing at her watch and looking at me and saying, "Better, better get out of here, right?" Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's one 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 occasion when I'm just thinking, uh, "Wow, I'm kind of floating." Like you know, sure, this really happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. In the same room with Kurosawa, right? And not only right. that, he wants he wants to talk to me. You know, it's, mm-hmm. he has all these, you know, things he wants to say, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, the interview ends, and we're down in the Genkan, you know, the entryway. And I open the door, pouring rain. It's uh, like September and typhoon season. Rain Mm -hmm. just coming down in sheets. I don't have an umbrella. So I I look around and there's this (laughs) huge, like, golf umbrella stuck in the uh, entryway. Mm -hmm. I say, uh, Kurosawa-san, do you mind if I borrow this? (laughs) It was his golf umbrella, right? No, he's a big golfer, but... uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, okay, no problem, right? So um, I'm walking out, and thing, boom, this thing goes like this. And the PR guy's with me. He says, we're going to meet. You're going to come to my office and give me back that umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> right. Said, okay. But yeah, for a week, I had Kurosawa's umbrella in my house, you know. But um, Right. Something yeah, that kind of thing. Brag yeah. about a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, starstruck. Yeah, you could say that, but sure, sure. Mm. Yeah, that is a, that is a good one. Um, yeah. I I've kind of heard uh, heard you say in the past that you often try to get your interviewees, you know, a bit off their script and 
you know, break get, free get from, the script, right? yeah, from the usual line of questioning that they may get in like a media day session. Um, to, mm. to kind of, uh, to kind of flip that back on you, um, as an interviewee, what, what's, what's a question that, uh, you feel like you get all the time, uh, when you're being interviewed and then what's something maybe, what's something maybe that you wish more people would ask when you're being interviewed as well? Mm. That's a good question, huh? Uh I mean, one thing they all they always want to know is, you know, how did you get into it, and you yeah. know, why Japanese films? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's kind of obvious, right? Uh, I've answered that many times. <laughs> right, right. Why Japanese films? Right. Sure. Uh, one thing I wish they would ask. Uh, that's a little bit harder, right? Um, hmm. Yeah, that that's. I'm open for anything, really. <laughs> okay. Yeah. May, <laughs> but, maybe. But you know, sometimes some... these these things. Um, what can I say? Like a movie will hit me in a way that is personal. Mm. Okay. It's not okay. It, it may be about something that never happened to me, but the way it's told or the situation or something like, I say, okay, I've experienced that. I've actually experienced that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way they're handling this, you know, I, I may, maybe I'm going to judge it from a different perspective because of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a way that's uh, like taboo as a uh, film reviewer, like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to write a personal essay. <laughs> like, oh, okay, the film inspired me uh, because, you know, this happened to me way back when, you know, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to bring that, you know, not too many reviewers will do that, right? But um, mm. I've always thought, in a way, okay, maybe, you know, 99% of the time, it doesn't apply, okay? You're going to, you know, see these genre films, like total fantasy. <laughs> mm. Never happened to anybody, right? But sometimes I think, yeah, maybe it's valid mm. to say that kind of thing, right? Like, I... Uh, the most recent, okay, I, I had an interview like uh, two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film, uh, Intimate Stranger, by a, a woman, uh, Mayu Nakabura, who I've mm-hmm. known for some time. Mm-hmm. And it's about this woman, uh, middle-aged woman, who, um, living alone, you know, she lost her baby. You know, we find out in the course of the film, she lost her baby when it was like three months old, and it traumatized her. She's never really gotten over it. So anyway, she's approached by this young guy who's trying to scam her. You know, like they have this scam called It's Me, It's Me, where, you know, the uh, the caller pretends to be, you know, the person's son or whatever, right? Oh, you know, I, I'm in trouble. I, uh, you know, I got in trouble with the traffic accident or something, and I, I need money for the hospital and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But anyway, this guy thinks to do this, but instead, you know, he ends up becoming part of her life. You know, she says, okay, well, you could move in with me. <laughs> she treats him like a son. Mm-hmm. And uh, why? Like, it's this kind of psychological uh, mystery or thriller, right? Mm. Well, I don't want to go into the movie too much, but I'm saying to Nakamura-san at the interview, you know, actually, that that kind of thing happened to me. Hmm. Really, I was driving a taxi cab, 
you know, in the early 70s, back at Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, this woman gets in and she says, you look like my, like my son. I said, what? He said, yeah, my son is in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, he sends me letters and I'm always thinking about it. Anyway, uh, for whatever reason, you know, she started to open up to me. I'm a cab driver, right? Uh, mm-hmm. About her son, the letters he sent. Uh, she's reading me the letters and uh, what's it just one time? You know, she she knew my number, right? I'm number 25. So she called up. I went I went 25 to pick me up. So I, I pick her up and we're driving around. And she's telling me all this stuff, you know, about I'm thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm becoming like her surrogate son. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. You know, so uh, I told that to the director. She's, her mouth is kind of hanging open. Really? You're like, <laughs> but um, it's just something like I'm not looking for it. But mm-hmm. when it happens, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got to affect the way you see the film. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, that's one thing like people never ask. But I'm always thinking about. <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes sense. I've had that, I've had that happen a number of times where. Uh, yeah. Something in my own life, you know, is reflected on the screen. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's done well, sometimes not so well. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, despite how much, I guess, film theory you've studied or want to put in to your, you know, take on a film you know, critics are just humans too. And they've experienced They're humans, yeah. certain, certain things that other critics haven't. And yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, can I say something, uh, I've written about, you know, before, mm-hmm. like in, in my book, uh, <laughs> just a second. <laughs> yeah. 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 See if I have a copy it. here. Just a nice. second. <clears throat> Yeah, this um There we go. Whoa. Sorry. Yeah, this is sure, the new book, sure. right? Yep. Perfect. So yeah, I have an essay in this book about uh, another experience I had uh where I was I was beaten up in Rome. I was attacked mm-hmm. by these two guys and uh at least two guys and uh, ended up in the hospital for five days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And after that, I thought, can I see these like violent films and react the same way? Mm. Having had that experience, you know, you see like some of these uh, depictions of violence where, you know, the hero gets knocked down and he popped back up again and ready for more to get beaten up, you know. Yeah. Like (laughs) in the next scene, he's, you know, totally functional. Yeah. Not the way it works. So yeah. uh, it's not the way it works. So I, I thought, okay, someone like Kitano, Takeshi Kitano, who actually lived in a rough neighborhood when he was growing up and saw like gangsters fighting each other. And he told me one time when I interviewed him, you know, most of these fights are over in one punch. You know, mm-hmm. one guy hits the other, the other guy goes down, that's it. Mm-hmm. And he showed that in his films. You know, you'll see like one guy working the other one over. And uh, at first I thought, okay, it's kind of like maybe his fantasy, right? <laughs> He's the guy doing the punching, right? 
But um, no, after my experience, I thought, okay, he's he's realistic. You know, he's realistic. Right. right. You know, the guys that show these epic battles on screen, it's all bullshit. Yeah. The human body, the human brain doesn't react that way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, when you're really hit hard, everything goes blank. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to pop up. <laughs> you can't, yeah. you know, just trying yeah. to stay, stay upright, you know? Yeah. So, um, that kind of thing, right? Where, right. Uh, right. I didn't want the experience, you know? Right. But there it is. You know, so yeah. I've got to live with it. And then but, for the average yeah, what, what viewer. I, yeah, what I found is it just, I, I can still see violent films, you know, because I know it's a film. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not like I have to, you know, fast forward every time violence comes on. Yeah. But um, the way I regard it, okay. Like, okay, maybe it's like a dance. It's not even trying to be realistic, you know? Mm-hmm. They're showing mm-hmm. off their martial arts moves. Okay, you know. But if they're trying to be realistic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually it's just bullshit, you know. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. you know, because uh, it's not the way it's not the way it happens. Right, right, right. In my experience, right. So um, that kind of thing, right. And I'm not going to sure. write about it every time. Oh, this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking it. You know, like I can't help but think it, right? Sure. Yeah. Now, I mean. That, so that, again, that makes... like you do this for a long time, and uh, I think okay. Maybe you're 20, 21 years old writing about films. Uh, you're going to see it in a different way than someone like me, you know, who's mm-hmm. actually you know, maybe experienced some of these things. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, you know, I don't think, you know, maybe it's not like, you know, because you're 21, you don't have anything to say, you know, mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. that at all. But um, mm-hmm. there is a difference. So what what can I say, right? You know, yeah. yeah. I have definitely. a different perspective. Than I did when I was 21. For sure. For sure. Better, worse, I can't say. Yeah? Right, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah I just kind of want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so if you were to kind of give advice to others or, you know, people starting up, like, do you think working as a freelance writer and a film critic is a lot harder these days to make a profession as compared to... When you it's harder started, to make money at it. Yeah. Anybody yeah, I... can do it. Anybody can do it, right? I mean, there are actually, you know, good writers out there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, writing for blogs or whatever. Uh, and I know, like, you know, their income has got to be about zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the actual income, right? Mm-hmm. So to do what I did now would be very yeah. difficult, you know, right. I think. Yeah. Because you know, I had so many venues back in the, uh, especially 1990s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was writing for all these different publications that would pay. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. Whereas... So, what can I say? Japan Times kind of hanging on <laughs> mm-hmm. by the fingernails, right? Yeah. But, um, so, uh, these days, it's more just for the passion of it. You, you really got to... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. you really, you really so got to that, be into That's it. all good. That's all good. It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, I think for anyone saying, I'm going to make a career out of this, mm. uh, good luck, you know, because you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> you right. You have to become a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, usually, right? So, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, you did you did bring out the book um, Art, yeah. Cult, Commerce, Japanese Cinema Since 2000, um, which I, I kind of, there it is, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose it's a bit of a follow-up to your earlier book, right? The contemporary uh, Jap- Japanese is. film. Yeah. And you know, the, the uh, publisher came to me mm-hmm. and said, I'm a big fan of the uh, the other book. Uh, mm-hmm. Contemporary. Do I have it? Oh, here it is. So. <laughs> Just happened to have it here. Perfect. Yeah, this is the first one. This came out mm-hmm. in uh, 1999. Mm-hmm. Okay. Contemporary Japanese film. And it was, again, like reviews, um, interviews, and essays mm-hmm. in one package. So he said, I'd, I'd like to do something similar. And I, I said, okay, it's like uh, I've been 20 years since this book. How can we do it, right? Yeah. But um, he gave me 500 pages, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And a bigger format. You know, it's, you know, it's a bigger bigger book, right? So uh, mm-hmm. I had more mm-hmm. to play with. But mm-hmm. still, we had to cut, 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 cut. You know, like sure. 20 years worth of film reviews. <laughs> yeah. So people ask, they say, oh, the, all these reviews are like three st- or four stars or five stars. You know, yeah. you must love all these. It's enough because there were hundreds <laughs> that were rated lower. You know, I, I mm-hmm. thought, okay, who wants to really read like a two-star review mm-hmm. of some film they're probably never going to see? Yeah. Yeah, because it's not available, right? Uh, yeah. They'd rather probably read about you know, some of these films that are good and accessible. So yeah. I ended up with maybe, you know, 10, not, not 10, more like 15 or so films per year mm-hmm. reviewed in the book, right? So uh, that's maybe a defect, but um, I don't want to say that. <laughs> this book, I was able to be more thorough because it was just like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 90s, I could, I could yeah. put in, you know, more reviews, you know, good, bad, and ugly, right? But uh, mm-hmm. and this one also had many more interviews. Mm. This one had right, about right, sixty, right. more than sixty interviews with people, right? right. So uh, right. I thought that was valuable because some of them have passed on, you know, or some of them like, um, you know, people in the West really don't have a chance to hear mm-hmm. from them because uh, they're not famous enough or whatever, right? But um, I wanted to put them in there, so uh, right, a lot of re- lot of interviews, and of course essays. So, yeah, I- I'm curious. Um, you know, the first one was the '90s. Was there like any talk about doing one around uh, 2010 to cover that <laughs> next uh, ten year block? No, I thought, I thought at that time like it's never going to happen because oh, okay. all yeah. my re- reviews are out there online. Mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. and then the publisher for this book, you know, came along and said, mm-hmm. no, you know, look, look, yeah, you know, you're going to find like a lot of these articles or reviews or whatever are not online. Mm. So I did, I went online, you know, the Japan times for whatever reason did not put all my stuff online. Mm-hmm. It was a big drop off after about three or four years into the past, right? <laughs> Nothing. Mm. <laughs> and I went to them and I said, what happened? Mm-hmm. And the guy in charge of the um, their website says, oh, really? <laughs> Are you sure? So we went back and forth. He said, yeah, you're right. Uh, we'll have to get these online. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they are, I think, going back to about 1999 or so, right? They're online now. Okay. But again, it's like 
no order, no nothing. I mean, you have to know mm. what you're looking for, right? Here, mm-hmm. it's all one yep. package. So exactly, uh, the publisher said people want that. Yeah, I, said, I think they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope. Um, so it's, there's still room for books, and I, I was kind of skeptical, yeah. but um, there is still a need for books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think uh, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that notion. You know, people people get a little bit tired of just looking at screens all day. If you can have yes. something, you know, you put on a coffee table or just something, you know, laying around when they have guests over or whatnot. Right. Um, so and then eventually maybe this will be on Kindle. I don't okay, know. Okay, sure. But, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the moment, yeah, just, just paperback. Right, um, right. So then – um, so then is the aim to go for another one in 10 years and that's going to cover, uh, is the, <laughs> who is, knows, right? But, uh, right, right. Yeah. It is a lot of work. You know, I think, Oh, it's just a compilation. Mm-hmm. No, not really because I had to go through every single review and, uh, you know, re-edit, you know, right. cut right. out, you know, try to get the uh, word countdown so I could put mm-hmm. in more reviews and, um, mm-hmm. of course, select, the one that would go in, you know, sure. so it was like months and months of work, you know, to get, put this together. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, who knows, like 10 years. Sure. Will we still be around? <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. It could be like, who knows. Right. But exactly. Uh, yeah. I said the same thing about the, uh, you know, the first book you know, after, after this, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. But, uh, turned out to and be he... something. You know, and so here we thank are. Thank God. Yeah. Um, I, I guess for, for people listening in who may not have, you know, much of a knowledge of Japanese film, um, contemporary Japanese film outside of say, maybe like, you know, Studio Ghibli or something like Departures or Shoplifters, which received a lot of press. Um, could you maybe, I know this is something difficult to do, but could you maybe recommend say like five or so Japanese films that, you know, people must see, you know, from must sees from the past 20 years. Ah, past 20 years, right. Um, Yeah, I mean, wow, should ask me that sooner. (laughs) Come off the list, right. But I would say, like, for me, um, again, more than the individual film sometimes, it's it's the Mm -hmm. director. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, of course, you have to see Miyazaki. You know, for mm-hmm. anime, um, but that's obvious. Everybody, yeah, everybody knows about Miyazaki by now, and, right? Um, and then, of course, Cordiata, where mm-hmm. um, you think, okay, shoplifters, but um, for me, some of his earlier films were were stronger. I mean, you go back um, again, like even to Afterlife, mm-hmm. uh, which you know became well known. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cordiata, after that, became you know better known for his family films. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, like that. Okay, there's more to him than that, and uh, people think, oh, he's making these arty films. <laughs> In a way, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're going to Cannes, winning the Palme d'Or, that that sort of thing, right? But he also made a film called I Wish, you know, about these two brothers who are separated. And they try to get back together again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really like kind of a heartwarming, funny film that um, 
you know, when people see it, they love it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not as well known as some of the others, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, something like that where, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, a film by a director like uh, uh, Yoshihiro Nakamura, mm-hmm. okay, who made a film, actually made several films, you know, about 10 years ago that um, I thought were great uh, as, you know, kind of speculative, what if, um, let's see here, just a second. Sure. 2009 but he's not that well known outside Japan mm-hmm. so uh, too bad <laughs> right. and then he started making uh, like more commercial films mm-hmm. um, that you know for me were not, not as impressive mm-hmm. or okay a director like uh, okay here we go here's another one I like um Funike Shobi, Some Love You Losers. <laughs> mm-hmm. A black comedy. Um, which, again, came out about uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Daihachi Yoshida, the director, mm-hmm. right? Where it, it's funny, and black comedy, but it also says a lot about, you know, the Japanese family and a totally original imagination, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, not not as well known outside Japan. Or right. someone like uh, Tatoshi Miki mm-hmm. made a film, uh, Adrift in Tokyo, about the same time. Mm-hmm. About this um, like college student. This guy's been in college for like eight years. <laughs> anyway, he, he owes money to this sketchy, not not a gangster exactly, but he's a, like a bill collector, right? Mm-hmm. And this collector says, okay, if you go with me on a trip across Tokyo, I'll excuse your debt, which is like a million yen. Mm-hmm. The guy says, okay, you know, why not? And it turns out the uh, the debt collector has killed his wife, and he's going to turn himself in at the uh, main police station in downtown Tokyo. Right? Mm-hmm. But uh, he wants to take this journey. And it, it's funny. It's totally original. Uh, the two actors are great. Uh, Joe Odegiri plays the uh, the college student, right? And I thought this is just a wonderful film. Mm-hmm. You know that again, like because the director is not as well known as you know Miyazaki or Kurosawa. It's probably not going to get out there that much. But mm-hmm. everyone who saw it loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Adrift in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I, I could go on. I mean, I yeah, no doubt. Sit here yeah. and turn yeah. the pages. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, uh, well, well, that's why we got the yeah, book, there, right? There, there are a lot that, uh, again, like I've seen and thought this really ought to be better known. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, okay, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. You know, well known as the horror director, mm-hmm. the maker of Cure, <laughs> and so on and so on, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, like one of his best films is something called. Tokyo Sonata, mm-hmm. the family drama, mm-hmm. okay? And it does have kind of a, I don't want to get too much into the plot, but mm-hmm. the ending is kind of like Kurosawa-esque, you know, where you're thinking, uh, 
we're not in the real world anymore. <laughs> but it's just like one of the best family dramas I've seen from Japan or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's totally, it's kind of out of the, what can I say? When people think of him, they don't usually think of this kind of film. Right. They're thinking, oh, well, he made like uh, Pulse and uh, Cure, you know, these great horror films. But mm. um, he's doing other things as well. Okay, right. the one I okay the one I mentioned first, the uh, mm-hmm. Nakamoto film is called Fish Story. Ah, uh, Fish Story. Yeah, yeah, I've seen <laughs> you know, that Fish one. Story? Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, just like came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't really know the director that well. I I liked some of his earlier work, but this film just blew me away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about this like punk song that changes the world. How does that happen? Uh, there are about five different stories. And they all come together at the end. And the ending is like the last five minutes of that movie. We're like, whoa. You know, everything is like, I was on a high when I walked out of the theater. <laughs> right, right. I'd never seen anything like that, you know? For sure. Fish story. For sure. For sure. Okay. And again, it's one like people who know Japanese films from that era, you know, again, mm. about 10 years ago, mm. know it. Kind of a cult film. But generally, no. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the director is not famous enough, you know, and right. so on and so on. Right, right, so, right, um, right. Yeah, some of these films, like, I know, okay, yeah, these Shoplifters. It's a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, won the Palme d'Or. You know, Cordier is a great director. But, mm-hmm. you know, beyond that, uh, there are a lot of films that just kind of fall through the cracks for whatever reason, right? Right, So uh, right, that, right. that's why exactly. I wanted to put them in the book, you know, because... Um, Kind of get the word out there a little more, yeah. Right, right. I guess. Um, anyway, yeah, we we could sit here and I could yeah. do this for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you say, yeah. find all the ones I really like, you know, yeah. and talk yeah. about them. But um, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's why we got the book. Yeah, I guess. Um, on the topic yeah. of you know recommendations, obviously, you're you're a bit privileged in terms of the variety of Japanese films that uh, you're able to see and you get to see. Do you oh, feel yeah. do you feel like uh, Japanese films are widely distributed enough and like sufficiently made available worldwide? I mean, I can imagine situations maybe where someone's reading one of your reviews, um, yeah. something like you may have seen theatrically, and you've given it you know a glowing recommendation, only for right. this reader um, to be unable to access the film or unable to access, uh, English subtitled version. Can you kind of comment on this or have you had, uh, people express this frustration to you before? That that happens. It happens a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you look, you know, you're probably going to find a lot of these films somewhere, Mm -hmm. sometimes without subtitles. Yeah. But, you know, uh, generally, you know, not easy because the Japanese companies uh, are thinking mainly of the domestic market. Right. And, you know, some of them are interested in getting the films out there for like festival screenings or, um, you know, maybe do a DVD deal with um, the UK or somewhere. But um, mm-hmm. generally, you know, it, it's not been easy. Yeah. You know, the pipeline, <laughs> yeah. the pipeline has always been small. Right. But I think what's really changed is okay. Netflix, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, yeah, are picking up more of these films and series, you know, and just they're all over the world, yeah, all at once. 
so um uh what's the most recent an example would be uh ride or die okay the um Liuchi Hiroki film mm-hmm. about these two women who end up becoming lovers and you know they go on the run it's kind of like Thelma and Louise <laughs> but uh, Hiroki I've always really admired his work because um, he came up as a, a pick film director mm-hmm. you know? and but he changed he switched over to uh, straight films a long time ago but he still has this sense of how to stage uh like a, a love scene and not mm. could I say express this adult uh, eroticism mm-hmm. in a way that um, very few Japanese directors you know they, they may they may know how to stage the scene but the connection between the two women I thought was um, amazing mm-hmm. you know the way that's portrayed I, I hadn't really seen that before and it's on netflix <laughs> right right yeah not in yeah. the th- it did get a theatrical release in japan right mm-hmm. but again like for um you know thinking okay maybe 10 years ago whatever right uh it would be very hard to access that yeah you know, maybe maybe like one there would be one dvd release in the uk you know mm-hmm. that would be it right 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 um yeah Mark, I really got to thank you for today. I feel like we could go yeah. on and on, but um, on and on, right? Yeah, I just have uh, I've got two final questions that I ask every guest. If that's uh, okay, if that, that's if that's cool with you. So, as this is called uh, the Inspirations Podcast, um, I've got two questions related to that theme. And uh, okay, so the first one, you did you did kind of answer this a little bit before, but the first question is. Um, what are three things or three people that have really inspired you um, in your work or just in your life in general? Um, three people or three things that have really inspired you? Three people. Oh, my God. This would be like, like my mother and father. <laughs> sure. Some people are going to say that, right? <laughs> Mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, right? But um, yeah, beyond that... Uh, yeah, way back when, okay, I was very influenced by um, people like Henry Miller, the mm-hmm. writer. Um, I read everything by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, back then, I mean, even now, he's he, in a way he's been canceled. <laughs> okay, he's the guy writing about women, you know, like. But for me, it was like, this is the guy who went right to the bottom. Mm. You know, he lost his job. He lost his his love, the love of his life. He lost everything. But he ended up in Paris and he discovered himself. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have nothing. I feel wonderful. Okay. I'm at the bottom. I, I wouldn't be any, I wouldn't be anywhere else. This sort of, I thought, okay, this can teach me something <laughs> the way you know, like he, he dealt with this. Cause uh, again, I don't want to get too much into my life story, but um, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this guy has a positivity mm-hmm. that uh, really inspired me at one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And someone else, um, again, maybe in a different way, <laughs> uh, Charles Bukowski, the writer, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. who also went. Uh, he, he's very popular now. You know, a lot of people know and love his work, right? But um, he's another one who's kind of problematic in the way he writes about women. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really who he is, right? He wasn't a, a nice guy in a lot of ways, but again, he he was fearless. You know, like, uh, okay, I'll starve to do what I want. You know, I'll live on mm-hmm. candy bars and mm-hmm. just write these stories and send them off. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen, right? Maybe I'll get accepted, maybe not. What the hell, you know? And uh, just living the way he wanted to live, which included a lot of drinking <laughs> in L.A., you know. And um, I admired the way he wrote, mm-hmm. you know, just no bullshit, everything like, okay, straight and true. And um, as a writer, I was I was influenced by him. Mm. Like, uh, okay, like this is someone who's, um, again, like telling the truth as he sees it. So uh, those two guys inspired me before I came to Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, after coming to Japan, uh, the one guy who inspired me and uh, helped me quite a bit was, uh, again, Donald Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he was the first one who ever wrote anything about my work. You know, he mm-hmm. wrote me a, like a fan fan letter. Oh, really? About one of my reviews. Like back in 1990, when I was just starting out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my God, you know, Donald Ritchie. And then we met, you know, we went mm-hmm. to a, uh, a party together way out in Odawara, like a hour on the Shinkansen, on the bullet train. Mm-hmm. So we're together on the train. I'm thinking, my God, I'm going to bore Donald Ritchie to death. <laughs> Terrible. But we, we connected. You know, we mm-hmm. became friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had kind of similar sen- senses of humor and um, came from the same background, you know, both from Ohio, Waltown, mm-hmm. Ohio, right? But, of course, he's way up there in the stratosphere as a writer and uh just the fact that he was supporting me, that he was my friend, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, kind of validated what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. I thought, and um, gave me confidence, you know, that uh, may- maybe I could do this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, without without that would have been a lot harder. Right. So, uh, yeah, that personal connection, but also the way he wrote about Japan, mm-hmm. which is... Um, you know, so elegant, uh, something I couldn't imitate. But um, he also got underneath, you know, he was he was very perceptive about so many things. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, okay, he's not giving you, like, the standard interpretation of Japan. Right. It's very personal, but it's also very true you know, mm-hmm. to uh, a lot of things that I – since learned about Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm getting off the track here, but anyway, those. No, no, yeah. I would say, yeah, there are more. I mean, I of course, keep yeah, listing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, three key, uh, three key people in my development, right? Great, as a great. writer, you know, whatever. So, sure, um, sure. Again, like some, some, like okay, <laughs> I, I can look back now and, and say, okay, maybe the way they're writing about women is problematic, and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't feel the same way about it now. But mm-hmm. again, um, still, you know, without those two guys, uh, 
I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Hmm. Yeah. So, or even be here the way I am now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So anyway, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then <laughs> uh, la- last one for you then. Um, okay. So for yourself personally, um, what it, what does it mean for you? Someone, you know, reads one of your books, re- reading your articles, some of your reviews. What, what does it mean for you to be inspirational to other people and to inspire someone oh. to action or just inspire someone in some way? Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, in a way, that's why I'm doing this now. I've been doing it for 30 years now, right? Mm. Uh, if I could do something for a young director, usually, right? Um, you know, get his or her work noticed more. Mm. You know, get that film invited to a festival like Udine. Um, somehow get the word out. Then... Uh, that's a reason to keep doing this for me. Mm, you know, mm. it's not just, you know, this thumbs down, thumbs yeah, up, you know, yeah. that's part of the job. But yeah. uh, for me, it's not the most important part of the job. Mm. And now, you know, going back, like if I can get the word out about somebody, you know, mm. who, uh, uh, doesn't have to be somebody young, even, you know, somebody mm-hmm. in the past, <laughs> You know, yeah. we, we, we had a, um, a director, this goes back a ways again, like Teruishi, mm-hmm. okay, the king of cult, you know, way before Takashi Miike, you know, mm-hmm. making these kind of scandalous films back in the 1960s and 1970s, right? And uh, we had a section for him at Udine back in uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. Now I'm putting this together, you know, going to like the film center in downtown Tokyo and saying, yeah, like, do you have any films by Ishii? And they say, do you want to do something on Ishii? Yeah. <laughs> what? There are better directors. And I I said, no, you know, I really think, you know, like we sh- should be presenting. So um, we ended up with the film, The Malformed Men. Okay. The Horror of the Malformed Men, mm-hmm. which was like uh, never released on any format home entertainment format in Japan never showed on television. Oh, really? It was kind of like this forbidden film. Mm. Okay. But I saw it at the uh, Toei screening room and uh, I said, we have to get this, you know, it's based on the work of Edogawa Lampo. who's was like the, the uh, Edgar Allan Poe of Japan. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it was kind of problematic in the way it depicted um, like disabled people to be frank, you know, mm. but again, it's all kind of in a fantasy world, mm-hmm. Ishii's world. Okay. And, uh, I said, this is just the most amazing fucking film. Hmm. So we, we brought it, we brought the film and him to Udine and, uh, he had never, you know, like, Oh, wow. The first time like a European festival is, uh, presenting my work. And he gets up on stage with me. We're gonna we're gonna show the film, mm. and he says, "Well, I, I, I kind of wondered why you asked me <laughs> to come and why you're showing this film, like, because you know, like, I'd, I'd be happy if two or three people like it." Is what he said. Mm-hmm. And then then we show it. I don't know if you've seen it. And then at the end, at the end, mm-hmm. you know, this crowd of like twelve hundred people just jumped to their feet. And they're applauding this for like 10 minutes. 
Yeah. It's like this storm of applause. I, I never heard anything like it, mm-hmm. you know, before or since. Mm. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, this validates yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, thank God, you know, like, and then it was brought out on uh, DVD later. Right. It's still, still out there, right? It was never released in Japan. Really? Yeah, you know, they brought it to Japan. It's like mm. reverse reverse mm. import. Mm-hmm. It's oh, the only okay, way you can okay. see it here. Okay. It's the only, or it's like special screenings. Wow. Okay. So when I can do something like that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> for sure. It's more than the thumbs up and the thumbs down, right? Yeah. So. If I if I recall correctly, um, I think that was released from like, arrow and did you do a dvd commentary uh, for that as well with another you're right yeah arrow brought it out you're right and then before that it was another company oh okay remember. had you released re- had you recorded a dvd commentary for that one as well i did yeah yeah, yeah i thought one, so the first one i did okay yeah i, I right. had a bad cold <laughs> <laughs> we the terrible we did it in a closet somewhere you know right in uh in germany wow okay. but yeah the first time i ever did that was uh i wish i could redo it but um anyway right, right, right. the film is yeah. great the film is right. great right 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 um yeah mark Schilling, i gotta thank you once again for coming on and doing okay. this interview and of course you know for your outstanding work your 30 years plus for your books all yeah. your articles the critical work and you know like you say uh exposing the world to a lot of great Japanese films and talented filmmakers, and especially, you know, continuing to want to be that discoverer of the new and not just, you know, polishing that old gold again and again, like a lot of uh, <laughs> cr- critics and voices in film uh, have, you know, in the past. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really people like you that can make a difference in getting exposure, like you said, to uh, some of these directors and artists that are producing great work and very much deserves recognition and seen by a world audience. So thanks once again. Okay. Thank you. It was a fun conversation. And uh, so finally, finally here, uh, where can, where can people kind of follow and keep up with what you're doing? uh, If they want to, uh, if they want to follow your work or Um, I know you have the Twitter that's fairly active. Twitter. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Facebook. And also, mm-hmm. yeah, the Japan Times uh, mm-hmm. has their site. It's right. uh, they have a paywall, unfortunately. Right, 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 but, right. Uh, yeah, a lot of it's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. But um, yeah, so follow me tw- on Twitter, folks. <laughs> so your so your Twitter is uh, moviefan55. That's correct. Yes, moviefan55. Perfect. So yeah, thanks once again, yeah, for having this chat, and uh, I'm certainly gonna. You mentioned you got something exciting. Coming this year, yes. premiere, premiering film, at film the coming up. yep, yep. Talk about so, that later, yeah. Great for sure, yeah. So yeah, thanks once again, Mark. Okay, thank you. This is James Malian with ADSR Inspirations. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you want to hear more insightful and inspirational chats from people based in Japan and all over the world, make sure to follow us at adsrcollective.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at ADSR Collective. Then listen to the pod on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more.
Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Until next time, stay inspired.